Buck up. Shake it off. Take it like a man. Keep your chin up. What do you have to be depressed about? Your life looks pretty good from where I'm standing. Tough it out. Rise above. It's all in your head. You make too much money to be depressed. Get over it. Don't be such a wuss. Real men don't show their feelings. Real men don't open up. Real men never act vulnerable. If they do, who's going to take them seriously? Stop it with that. On this episode of Wrecking the Toy Department, where we won't just stick to sports because we don't have the privilege of doing so, we're going to talk about depression and toxic masculinity. Why I find myself rooting for a Dallas Cowboys player to do well for the first time in my life, and yet another reason I won't be turning my TV dial to Fox anytime soon. On the September 10th episode of In Depth with Graham Bainzinger, Cowboys quarterback Dak Prescott gave an interview in which he detailed his recent struggles with depression. For those of you who, like me, were unaware until now, September 10th is also National Suicide Prevention Day. That same day, co-host of Fox Sports 1's Undisputed and professional sports troll Skip Bayless decided to call Prescott out for showing a lack of true leadership in deciding to publicly disclose that he'd gone through a bout of depression. Prescott said his symptoms began back in March, as much of the country was going into a shelter-in-place slash lockdown near the start of the global COVID-19 pandemic. Remember when we were in that fight together? Depending on your resources and circumstances, your own personal situation may have changed, but I would invite you to remember a point in time, not so long ago, when we all collectively were in frantic fear, because we didn't yet know enough to be certain how we could protect ourselves from getting sick, thinking that we could possibly contract a lethal virus were we unlucky enough to touch a surface someone with the illness may have touched two days earlier. At that time, My wife and I were personally trying to balance taking care of our three-year-old son while simultaneously she was running her own business and I was trying to start my own. To put it mildly, we were running ourselves ragged and the stress, internal and external, bled easily into our daily mood and manner. To say the least, we were not a happy bunch. And it wasn't just us. Everybody everywhere, it seemed, was on high alert exhausted from their constant hypervigilance and lacking in nearly any outlet or activity that would function as a release valve from constant stress and fear. Everything was closed. There was no school, no place to work out, and certainly no football practice, at least not with teammates or anyone else who did not live in your immediate household. For Dak Prescott, the new not normal completely threw him emotionally, and as he told Benzinger, he started experiencing feelings he'd never felt before. Anxiety for the main one. And then, honestly, a couple of days before my brother passed, I would say I started experiencing depression. Didn't know necessarily what I was going through, uh, to to say the least, Um, and hadn't been sleeping at all. Um, But for one reason, one night, um, I sleep the best I've slept missing probably 10 plus calls from from Tad and giving my dad enough time to come in my bedroom and tell me what had happened. Um, And so I woke up, probably the best night of sleep I've ever had in 2020 uh, from the worst news. uh, Some of the worst news I'll ever get. It was only the first part of this quote that Bayless decided to listen to before ripping into Prescott for being soft, for being someone whose teammates would no longer view him as a leader, and for by saying he'd been depressed, shirking his responsibilities as quarterback of America's team. I'm going to ask our audience to feel free to go ahead and condemn me if you choose as cold-blooded and insensitive on this issue. I have deep compassion for clinical depression, Mm -hmm. but when it comes to the quarterback of an NFL team, 
It's the ultimate leadership position in sports. You are commanding an entire franchise. You're commanding a uh -huh. lot of young men uh -huh. and some older men. And they're all looking to you to be their CEO, to be in charge of the football team. Because of all that, I don't have sympathy for him going public with, I got depressed. I suffered depression early in COVID to the point that I couldn't even go work out. He's the quarterback of America's team. And you know and I know, the sport that you play, it is dog eat dog. Mm -hmm. It is no compassion, no quarter given on the football field. If, if you reveal publicly any little weakness, it can affect your team's ability to believe in you in the toughest spots. And it definitely can encourage others on, on the other side yeah. to come after you. You throw an interception, you're going to hear, you depressed number four? You know, get, get that yeah. sort of thing. You get sacked. How did that feel? You getting down about it? You, you just can't go public with it, in my humble opinion. So now I got to declare, who, who have I always been? I, I grew up in a, in, I had a rough childhood, broken mm -hmm. home, just, just soaked with alcohol. Mm -hmm. I had some really low moments in my childhood. And I just kept fighting. I fought through every one of them. I've had some low moments professionally where some dark times happened. You just fight. You got to fight back. You can't give in to the depression. You, you try to rise above it because it's just how you're built. It's how I'm built. Right. I believe it's how that man is built. Rise above it. I, I, I got to tell you, it's been a long time since I was more stunned by quotes. If anyone was shirking the responsibilities of his job here, it was Skip Bayless, professional journalist, who did not listen to the entirety of this interview, nor did he read an article from September 9th, which fully addressed the circumstances of the death of Dak Prescott's older brother, Jace. In April, the Cowboys released a statement announcing that Jace Prescott had died, but at that time, the cause of death was not announced. As it turns out, his death was not an accident, and it did not happen due to natural causes. Jace Prescott had descended into the depths of depression and taken his own life. The story of his death began about nine years ago, when the Prescott's mother, Peggy Prescott, was diagnosed with colon cancer. At the time, Dak Prescott was on his way to becoming a star quarterback at Mississippi State. His mother, he told Benzinger, wanted him to remain in school. So... It fell to his brother Jace, Dak Prescott said, to be a caretaker to their mother during her 18-month battle with cancer, one she lost in November 2013 at age 52. Jace Prescott, his brother Dak, told Benzinger, never fully recovered from what he'd witnessed and experienced during that time. Jace at the time was finishing with school and uh, was home, was with her, and I mean, watched, watched it. Uh, she couldn't necessarily hide it from Jace because he was there every day. He saw the times where she, she would have to spend probably 10 plus hours throwing up, this and that, and saw the medicine she had to take. And um, almost you can't even put into words the burden. Uh, I mean, it's something only Jace knew. Uh, and he didn't necessarily share that. And Jace never was really much of a talker. Um, so when something like that was a huge burden on him, uh, he didn't know how to share it. He didn't know how to... To, to be vulnerable about it. In that same interview, Dak and Jace Prescott's brother, Tad, told Bensinger he'd seen Jace just three days before he took his life, and at that time, everything had seemed fine. And that is what is so nefarious about depression. You can be right next to it and never realize it. 
It can come in many different shapes and forms. It can be absolutely exhausting, but leave you unable to sleep. It can take the form of anger or rage or sadness. It can be directed at particular circumstances, yourself, someone else, or any combination thereof. And it's possible to succeed in spite of it. NBA stars Kevin Love and DeMar DeRozan have written essays and given numerous interviews discussing their experiences with depression and how playing basketball and performing in front of people was their saving grace, a gleaming reprieve from depression and feelings of crushing inadequacy. Many things can trigger a bout of depression. Some people are chronically depressed, where there's a bodily chemical imbalance that causes their depression. Others are situationally depressed, where an event occurs that triggers a bout of depression. Situational depression can happen to a person once, or perhaps it could happen several times in the course of a lifetime. I have been through several bouts of depression in the past three decades, and am still uncertain as to whether I suffer from chronic or situational depression. I suffered when I moved from the suburbs of Chicago, where I grew up, to an apartment in Manhattan after my freshman year of high school. A particularly tough time in a teenage boy's life, especially coming on the heels of my parents' separation. I suffered when the combination of homesickness and academic difficulties caught up with me in college, and I was put on academic probation for a year. I've had elongated periods of unemployment, dealt with my wife having a miscarriage while I was in the midst of a month's worth of 14-hour days at work, and felt the chronic condition of a turning a sometimes raging sense of inadequacy inward against myself. You know what helped? Talking to a therapist and taking antidepressants. I feel a different sense of myself now, more confident, more resilient, and quite certain that the depressed version of me that lived through some very dark personal times last year would not have been nearly as able to brave the storm that is life as a full-time working parent during a pandemic. What I have learned over the course of 30 plus years, and which I'm glad that Dak Prescott didn't need nearly as much time to learn as I did, is how much it helps to be able to make yourself vulnerable and to talk about what you're going through with someone you trust. When you have thoughts that you've never had, I think that's more more so than anything, the chance uh, to realize it and recognize it uh, and to be vulnerable about it. Uh, and I mean, talk to my family, talk to the people um, around me simply as I did at the time. and. Uh, some of them obviously had dealt with it before. I uh, was able to have those conversations and then reach out further uh, just to more people. And just, I think, being open about it and not holding those feelings in was um, one of the better things for me. This particular life lesson, meanwhile, seems to have escaped Skip Bayless entirely. Before he started in on Dak Prescott, Bayless said his viewers could condemn him for what he said. And at first, I wanted to especially after he issued a non-apology apology in which he tried to split hairs between chronic and situational depression and once again made no mention of the circumstances of Jace Prescott's death. Instead, though, I feel sorry for Skip Bayless and would like to extend to him my compassion and sympathy. If what he said about his home life as a kid, growing up in a broken home where alcohol flowed freely, is true, he has been dealing with a lifetime of trauma stemming from those childhood experiences without ever having faced them head on. I'm projecting here, but the dark times Bayless referred to, they may have gone differently if he didn't seem to believe that manhood was embodied by the movie characters played by John Wayne and Clint Eastwood. In the westerns they starred in, and later in Eastwood's Dirty Harry franchise, these two actors played loners who made a living hunting people down. Tough to make friends and learn empathy when everyone you come into contact with dies. The characters they play are hard and stoic. They're men of few words who never betray their emotions, even when pulling the trigger. With so many of the other characters in True Grit, How the West Was Won, Fistful of Dollars and Dirty Harry, have died had John Wayne or Clint Eastwood said to someone, 
you know, I've been feeling really lonely and angry recently, and I need to talk to someone about it. No, they don't ever discuss their feelings. They steer clear of deliberating anything other than the immediate business at hand, and they have no friends, family, or acquaintances with whom to talk. Even if they did, they wouldn't know how to start the conversation. Instead, they would do the manly thing and push those emotions down, bottle them up, anything possible to contain them rather than showing them. Because the idea of a man showing any emotion other than anger or none at all is seen as a weakness that can be exploited. And, as comedian Jim Jeffries explained on a 2019 episode of The Jim Jeffries Show on Comedy Central, this American ideal of masculinity continues to be drilled into boys from a very young age. All men are taught negative stereotypes about themselves from a young age. And that's where the toxic part is born. When you begin to interview them at 12 or 13, they tell you about a lot of love that they have for their friendships. They talk about wanting that kind of intimacy with other boys. As boys got older, they began to tell a very different story. They'll say things like, uh, no homo in response to a question about intimate friendships. That reveals the culture because the fact they're equating friendship with gayness is a part of American culture of masculinity. Men are discouraged from expressing their feelings and too often that comes out as aggression instead. A man can't even cry without becoming a meme. That Michael Jordan photo was from his induction into the Basketball Hall of Fame. He, he gave an emotional speech and said that he owed everything to his mum. But everyone saw that and just said, ha ha, meme that blubbering bitch. <laughs> Our traditional view of masculinity doesn't just affect how we treat others, it can also be dangerous to our own mental health. Exactly at the age that we began to hear the language, the emotional language disappear from boys' narratives, in the national data, that's exactly the age that boys begin to have five times the rate of suicide as girls. This is scary stuff. It's important to have feelings. Fortunately, more men are starting to come around to the idea that they should take on this calcified idea of masculinity, particularly those in sports media who, like those in Hollywood, have long had the power to define and control the popular definition of masculinity in their portrayals of modern professional and college athletes. The day after Dak Prescott's interview with Graham Bensinger went public, afternoon host Danny Parkins of Chicago 670 The Score detailed the family's circumstances, including his brother's diagnosis of the terminal brain cancer that killed John McCain and Bo Biden, and the very premature birth of his and his wife Stephanie's son that drove him into situational depression and led him to seek therapy. What my brother was diagnosed with is terminal. It's the worst type of news you can possibly be given. And it come, came in conjunction in my own life shortly after Steph and I became new parents when Steph was unexpectedly unemployed in the midst of a pandemic when he was born at 31 weeks and in the hospital for 27 days. And I haven't talked about this on the show. I don't really want to get into it too much now, but my dad's getting older. There are some health issues that are coming up with that that are also very stressful on me and my family. And like, I feel like the weight of the world is on my shoulders. Pick just one of the things Parkins mentioned here and imagine how difficult and possibly traumatic that would be to deal with. Stack all of them together and try managing them all at once? I imagine that would very quickly become a crushing burden to bear, mentally, emotionally, and psychologically. If I put myself in his shoes, I would definitely want to have a therapist to talk to. Parkin's colleague, 670 The Score midday host Dan Bernstein, also spoke to why Dak Prescott's admission that he'd sought treatment for depression was such a powerful statement. There are kids out there and there are young men 
and women who are athletes and who are leaders and who are suffering every single day they are suffering and they they have to know it's okay it's more than okay it's 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 normal and it's okay for for to to seek help and to admit that you need it you go Dak Prescott it has nothing to do with football i can i can root for you as a football player but it's more important that i'm rooting for Dak Prescott as a person and for what it's important that the quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys can can be a leader and say that he is a leader because of what he is able to admit it is okay i agree fully with bernstein I have never before rooted for either the Cowboys or Dak Prescott, and while I may still not root for the Cowboys, I will root for Prescott's continued success as a football player in person, and for the example he's helping to set in destigmatizing depression and the way boys and men deal with it. Dak Prescott is a genuine leader because he tackled a bad situation head-on, and then set a positive example by speaking out about his depression and how he coped with it. That is genuine. That is brave. It shows real compassion, empathy, and self-awareness to talk about something as painful as a bout of depression and to use that experience to try to set an example for others. That's what makes a real leader, someone who won't BS you, someone who sets an example for others to follow, someone who's capable of compassion, empathy, sympathy, and feeling basic human pain. Guiding through rage and anger might feel good if you're angry, humiliated, or enraged, but that's a sign of weakness, not strength. It's not a claim to moral authority either. Plainly put, it's bull. Give me someone who can feel my pain, guide me through it, and keep it real. That's leadership I'll believe in. This episode of Wrecking the Toy Department was written, voiced, edited, and produced by me, Jake Williams. My thanks to Kevin McLeod for the following musical compositions, Memory Lane and Bittersweet. If you're enjoying what you're hearing, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Tell a friend and leave a review and rating on iTunes. Thank you for listening.